Despite the danger, my protest had burst from my lips, from my heart. Because words empowered by justice can never be silenced. Welcome to another episode of Off the Shelf. Tonight we will be discussing Woven in Moonlight by Isabel Ibanez. I am Rachel, and I'm here with Brittany and Elijah. Okay, so we'll do a quick summary and then we'll get right into the discussion. Uh, Jimena is the main character. She's the decoy condesa. She's a stand-in for the last remaining Illustrian royal. Her people lost everything when the usurper Atok used an ancient relic to summon ghosts and drive the Illustrians from La Ciudad. Now Jimena is motivated by her insatiable thirst for revenge and her rare ability to spin thread from moonlight. Okay, so this week we're going to switch it up and do a little discussion about the characters. So first we'll talk about some of the minor characters and then we'll work our way up into the major ones. Um, okay, so let's discuss our first impression of like Anna and her children, Sophia and Manuel. Um, I think Anna is like, she was like a, a previous like hand of the king or something like that. It's like a general. Yeah, and her, her daughter Sophia was like of a similar role and Manuel was like sent off on all these journeys or something so. mm-hmm. um, I think we barely hear anything about Manuel and um, they kind of just bring his name up like two other times in the book and it's like one sentence <laughs> so we don't really get to see anything um, we do get to see a little bit of Sophia in the beginning I thought personally it would have been cool if they kind of carried her role out a little further than they did because again, we we barely see any of this family, and from the way Jimena talks, like this this family means everything to her because of her upbringing. Yeah. And I feel like it would have been it would have been interesting to see a little bit more interaction between at least one of the family members and her. It makes a lot of sense because both of them like basically immediately die as soon as we meet them. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Anna falls through a crack in the world and Sophia gets Sophia. brutally shot at yes. by several archers. Yeah. Not good. No. no. Uh, do you have any idea where Manuel might be now, based on the story? No. <laughs> I mean, they sent him off to. Um, I thought he was looking for something. Yeah. Well, I think trying, um, to, trying to find people to join them, or yeah. And but you didn't really see anybody joining them, so he must have been unsuccessful in in his quest. Yeah, they do talk a lot about the book. That's like, well, I hope he's alive. Yeah, like, <laughs> we'll see. Like, <laughs> the whole family has been massacred. Essentially, Essentially yeah, yeah, they're they're yeah. gone. They're gone. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Uh, anything else about them? Or? Um, I kind of liked that Anna was there as the protector of, you know, the keep. But at the same time, um, I'm glad that she she died earlier on in the book. And I say that because it made me think of, like, um, Ned Stark in yeah. Game of Thrones. Like, that's what that's the vibe her character gave me. I could see that. Like, very, like, sort of patriarchal, but, I mean, that she's a woman. Like, the head of that family. Like, she, yeah. she was the one that was um, directing and guiding Catalina and and you know raising essentially Jimena and mm-hmm. you know her role was was at the top and I, I feel like that she was the protector of that family essentially 
Yeah, because they both lost their parents in the previous revolution. Um, and so they really, they both pretty much only had Anna to help them. And it, I think it's really telling that we start the book without Anna. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's like basically setting the stage for like, you're on your own now. Yeah. You, you have nothing to guide you. Okay, so we will move up the ladder that I have drawn in my notes. Um, the next one that I want to talk about is um, Atok's sister, Tamara is her name, or Tamara, uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, the princessa. She, yes, the princessa. She was basically locked up when we met her and pretty much not able to be herself. I thought it was it was kind of interesting because the way they talked about it in the beginning of the book, it made me think that she was um, aware of her her um, upcoming demise, like her being the sacrifice. Yeah. And then, like, more than halfway through, Himana meets her in the, the tower, and she's like, should I even tell her? Does she even know? And I just was like, wait a minute. <laughs> That makes things a little bit different at this point around. And it, yeah. it just, I think it showed her character a little bit more because she doesn't have this impending doom looming, looming over her. She's like locked up but doesn't know um, exactly what's going to happen. And I think it was kind of cool to see how she was naturally and how she felt about her brother before um, that knowledge. Okay, I didn't get to that part, so fill me in. <laughs> So, like, um, later on, uh, Himana goes up into the tower because she wants to find the Estrella. And in order to do that, she needs to... Oh, yeah, she has her mask on. Yeah. She's, like, sleuthing around the castle. Yes, and she's, she's got a... Little yeah, the little wolf. And she's, you know, she's trying to um, meet with the princesa so she can, like ask her where the Estrella is and find out like what she needs to do and everything else well and, uh, in the beginning she just opens a door she doesn't think that anyone's behind it she's like oh maybe it's hidden back here yes, yes. That, and yeah. she it and it's the princess's room and she's like oh hello um, so but no, she gets knocked out like oh, yeah. before she even she sees kinda, her yeah, yeah. she definitely like hits Humana with like a, a board or something yes Later on, she's talking to Atok, and she's like, I think we should have a friendly competition, me and your sister, to see who's the better weaver. Yes. And then he acts, he gets mad at her because she loses, and he, like, locks her in the room, and then they get to have, like, a conversation. So. But, like, in order to find out the um, the location yeah. of the artifact or gem or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think they described it mostly as, like, a bracelet, but it's, like, yeah. it's, like like a rock that's in the bracelet it was a made of something whatever yeah. I don't know but yeah yeah no and it's like it, you kind of learned about the Estrella like in the middle it was like I mean she mentions it in the beginning but I'm like what, what is this why are you saying yeah. this word and then you learn that it's like this all powerful like basically the version of the infinity stone that like they can control freaking ghosts like yeah. I whatever just pull that out of thin air it was really interesting how they wove it in though because when she was talking about like um when uh the princess I was like do you know what it is and she's like no I really don't know what it is after all and she goes um it's it's the dead of our people and it's not the illustrians so like they're being used even in their afterlife by the illustrian people and i was just like that was like 
a nice I, I thought that was well written that part anyway yeah. and then in that scene also you find out that Tamara wants to destroy it mm-hmm. instead of using its power and like wielding it as the queen she wants to be the one who's like we can be better without this we can have a bloodless revolution she mentions that a few times and it's mm-hmm. like nobody has to hurt anymore we can just be over this and she wants to not be like her brother yeah she starts questioning like okay maybe this might be the right way to do things yeah and then you learn like Jimena just starts to learn that this has been going on before her arrival like this has just been an in progress thing for a long time because El Lobo is like right in the beginning of the book no one likes El Lobo you know in uh, (laughs) the keep so it's just like how long have these people been planning this how many years because it's been at least a decade since the the um overthrow so like how long have they been planning to um remove atak from the uh throne but i i kind of i liked her character i liked that she was relatable to himena in the you know with weaving yeah um and that their their powers just express themselves differently like, it, it yeah. seems like, um... There is that one really nice line where Jimena's like, oh, you're better at this than I am. And Tamira's like, neither of us is better at anything. Mm-hmm. We both have strengths, and we're both just doing what we know how. And, like, mm-hmm. I just, I really like that. It was, like, mm-hmm. girl power. Like, nice. Yeah. And she also, like, her her ability is interesting because it, they don't outright say it. They just explain what happens. And then, and like, Jimena's like, oh, I'm catching on. You know, it was, you know, the princess that she asked someone what they want or about something specific that brings to their mind, and then she can weave it. And I thought that was pretty cool. Like, you know, Jimena was looking for it, and she was able to put that on the the loom. And then when Atak was there and she asked him, so where is it? And he thought about it. She immediately was able to um, pick out that location and put it on the loom. And I thought that that was an interesting way to do it okay so now we'll move up another rung on my ladder and we'll talk about her um horrible disgusting brother named atok um though throughout the whole book humana calls her the called her calls him the usurper which means like he basically stole the throne even though for the fake king throughout the story she kind of learned more about it and it's like well he promised to be a good ruler he's making money for the country even though it's like this very addictive drug that he's making and so she kind of learns more about it but then she learns even more and realizes that even his people are distraught under him yeah i think um they started out um with atak as this like horrible horrible person and then um the princess talks about how they were when they were young and that things were very different and then once their you know their family members were lost um, he became enraged with his revenge and originally just wanted to take over and to overthrow so that their people could be free. But his greed got to him and, you know, he became consumed by his pain and his, uh, his greed. And that's how things had gotten that, the way that they were. And it kind of makes you think, like, what was this person like then, you know? Is it like what she said where he would sneak her food and they would hang out or whatever it was? Yeah. (laughs) You know, and now he's just this person that is willing to kill anyone that, you know, makes any kind of threat to his um, nobility, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. His role in the 
Sorry, Rachel. I feel like that's very accurately written um, of most dictators. They have, like, really hard lives, and then they come to that point where something just breaks them, and they're just horrible mm-hmm. forever. Yes. And, and, and there's that whole, like, discussion that people need to have with themselves where it's like, okay, he had a bad thing happen to him. Does it make it worth it what he's doing now? And I think yeah. a lot of people in, like, La Ciudad, as they call it, I think they were kind of realizing, like, okay, maybe it's not what it seems. Maybe he's not just getting over it. Maybe he's just taking it out on us instead. I think it was also, like, it almost made my skin crawl, certain things that he did. Like, like those scenes when they're in the court and he, like, reaches over and grabs their fingers. Yes. And very and manipulative. Yes. And, like, in her head and in other people's heads. He, like, tries to send a message. Like, after he, he you know, has those two men, like, their hands cut off and everything, she gets sick, Jimena gets sick, and she goes and throws up in the pot, and he makes yeah. her come back and sit next to him and holds yeah. her hand. And I was just like, ooh, that's... Yeah. Well, he also had that one like, tongue cut out, so... Yeah. I would probably vomit, too. Yeah, yeah it's like something traumatic she just saw. Even though she's killed people, she's never, like, involved herself in that kind of torture. And yeah, then, exactly. you know, that, she that's sees That's what it. I was going to say, too, is that even when the guards came, she didn't do the killing. She was mm-hmm. like, go ahead and kill them. You know, she had someone else do it. And she had turned around at that point. And, like, well, there was, um, there was a couple of times where she, she um, killed or almost killed guards when she was with El Lobo. Oh, yeah. No, I do remember that. I do remember that. Yeah. No, you're right. But this was, like, her first day in court. Yes. She could have been. I mean, she's always been trying to be the Condesa. She's supposed to be like very royal and like not doing anything nasty. Like, yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, the next character has the funny name that we still don't know how to pronounce, and he's the priest. And I think his name is Sara, and he is a real skeevy dude. If we're still making Game of Thrones references, he's basically the little finger. It's disgusting, and pretty much no one likes him. They just tolerate him because he has power which is, I think he, his, like, his magic magic. is that he can torture people in their mind, right? Oh, he's got blood magic. Okay. He's like the Rasputin. Yes. Of the story. Yes, I definitely saw that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, or for Lord of the Rings reference, he's Wormwood, you know, the guy that's whispering in the king's ear and poisoning him. I I, I pictured a very, like, skeevy... I, I, I basically pictured that guy from Lord of the Rings with like the hair, the Sorry. black hair, and like he looks all dirty, like Professor Sleepy. Yeah. I thought like Skeevy meets um the uh, what's his name from um, Aladdin. <laughs> Jafar. Jafar. Oh. Yes. Yes, I pictured that too. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just a real gross dude for sure. Yes. And he just he had like these his like little birds all around the city that would like wear the purple robes yeah 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 his like, followers I, I can see you and it's like, Ugh, gross. but but he does end oh. up torturing Jimena at one point because he believes that she knows who El Lobo is and turns out he uh, actually knew who El Lobo was yeah he's like on his side the whole time they find out in a bar that one night and she's like oh no I need to get out of here but anyway yeah so like um the priest was in it for himself basically like he didn't really care about the king or about the kingdom he just wanted he was just greedy and um 
they found him and planted him in the kingdom alongside King Atok and then used him to manipulate the king a little bit. But like right up until the end, Jimena was like, during the battle, he was going to keep his cover all the way until it was like he couldn't anymore. So like during that last fight when she's trying to attack the king, he's like using his blood magic on her. And she was like so angry, mainly because, you know, she thought that he was actually after all on their side after seeing him in the tavern but then you, it just shows how much of a self-serving person he was and then yeah, at the very end like she and uh Rumi were talking about it and she asked what happened and he was like well he took off on a horse with all the money <laughs> essentially Lucius Malfoy like from Harry Potter where he just like takes his family and gets out as quick as he can he's like yeah. I don't want to take sides I just want what's mine, and I'm going to get the heck out. Yep. Disgusting. Essentially. Okay, so moving up on our ladder, our next character, we're getting further up. This is Juan Carlos, who I know that you guys both really liked. He was so charming. He was very sweet. So adorable. He was, like, the only person at the Castillo who was, like, pleasant and, like, nice to Jimena while she was, like, basically their prisoner. Yeah. You know, it'll be fun. And and at one point, she's like, well, that's probably how he gets all his secrets. You know, that's yeah. how people learn to trust him. So. And he was playing both sides in the end. Like, you didn't even... Well, not both sides, but he was a spy. You know, she was able to figure that out because he was there in the tavern. He was, like, um, Rumi's cousin. But um, I thought it was really cool, the little snapshots you get where he's talking about his family or his past with her. Um and I was just like, I felt so pained when there, when he felt betrayed by Jimena. And I thought, I, I really liked his character. And he was very charming. Um, and I, I secretly wanted him to be a lobo. <laughs> I did. I was like, the way she described it and she, like, his character and, um, you know, and the moment she, she shared with El Lobo. And I was just like, Ugh. It would be so great if he was. Like it, it matches in my brain. <laughs> yeah. Obviously that's that. not the case, but Well, no. I, I really liked how he was kind of her bridge between yes. like her past and her future. You know, there's like she was basically like illustrian or die, like when she came to the Castillo. Yes. And then by the end she's like, Well, maybe I'm being a little bit racist right now, you know? And he kinda was the bridge between those two things because he was like, Well, I have illustrian blood in me, you know she's like oh maybe maybe it's okay that like you're not one or the other maybe it's okay that we can be friends maybe right I think yeah I think he was her um her mindset kind of swayed having him around she didn't even realize that they would be coming friends yeah and then by the time they did it was (laughs) it was too late (laughs) he had wormed his way into you know under her skin and I just I thought he was a very important character although like supporting I thought he felt more to me like a main character and just like missed his his spotlight a little bit yeah if, if uh, the author wrote a book about him I wouldn't be uh, disappointed he was just such a nice character yeah the history of Juan Carlos you know, <laughs> yeah, like, you know like his family before the revolution or yeah. something I don't know 
he just seemed so cheery. He was like, well, anything can happen. And you know what? I'm still here. And I'm still going to get those delicious little treats from the stand. And, like, it's yeah. great, you know. I thought it was also really sweet when she was, like, Jimenez, like, um, asked him why he was so nice to her. And he was saying that she reminded him of someone. And she goes, who was it, the princessa? And he said, no. He was like, actually, you remind me of my mother. And I was like, oh, it's like weirdly like the sweetest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, they're crying. And there, and there was also that scene where they were out and they were going to get the treats. And she was like, I have to meet up with Catalina. And so he's like, how many do you want? And she was like, two. And he's like, nah, I'm going to get you four. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're going to want more. Like, oh. You're yeah. going to regret it. <laughs> yeah, he was sweet. Mm-hmm. Or like when she asked him for something and when he told her to stay put and... Uh, he like she said can you bring me this and uh, he brought it back within a half hour he just had everything she asked for and more and I was like oh again he's just stealing my heart (laughs) all the the, like yarn for her to weave and stuff Mm -hmm. it was very sweet sweet. wait in that room you brought that not her he did the first time it it was kind of like both of them would bring it when they when they would have the time sort of gotcha 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 yeah um Okay, so let's move on and talk about the actual Condesa, who is named Catalina. Um, we learned from the story that Catalina was born the Condesa, but at the age of eight, Anna had them like sort of switch personalities because they look similar or whatever. Um, and so from the age of eight onwards, Jimena was pretending to basically be Catalina. They would call her Catalina, and she was expected to do all the roles, whatever. But what what do you think about how Catalina? Like, what happened to Catalina? Like, her her story, everything. What, what are your thoughts about her? I, I thought, don't really like her. Yeah. You didn't like her? <laughs> no. Well, she started out good. Like, when I... In the beginning, I'm like, you know, she's not the, the main character. So you're like, eh. But at the same time, like, she was kind. And she wanted to be the friend to all of her people. And she wanted to comfort them. Even though it was not the smartest idea um but they talked about how like smart she was and how um how she had trained for this position and she had you know done everything she could to to be a good queen but she was still very naive and still very revenge driven and uh um you don't see as much of that until later on that's what I was gonna say actually is that that part in the like the opening scene when she's giving all the grain or, or the rice to the people mm-hmm. I, I you know in my head I was like oh that means that she's nicer than the main character but in reality it's like now looking back like that was just foreshadowing because she is not she was not meant for that role you know mm-hmm. see I didn't take it as she was being nicer I thought that she was being foolish mm. by giving up their rations I and think she just wanted be- people to like her yeah but like she, they did say that she was kind and stuff like that in the beginning, and you know that she was a good friend and everything else. There, and there was also that part where Himena was talking about how she has like her moon magic was being able to read the stars and like mm-hmm. read the future or whatever. But she was like, "Well, she's not very good at it." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, well, maybe she's just. Well, a little... I I thought that was actually kind of interesting because, um, Himena talks about how like she felt she got more power from La Luna. Um, while weaving with the colors, you know, by yeah. like uniting the two, whereas That's how she was creating the animals yes. to life and everything with the colors. 
whereas Catalina was not doing that. She was not trying to unite the people. She was all one-sided. And maybe that's why her powers with the moon weren't as strong and why she had so much difficulty. It could be. I, I also see a lot of pattern because they talked about how originally there was another tribe of people that lived in the city and the illustrians mm-hmm. like drove them out. And then her aunt was really mean to like the people, um, the Alaskans, saying her Yeah, yeah. Um, Their people lived in the mountains like the, and the mines and stuff. Yeah, I feel like it's a pattern in her. Like it was bred, like not bred, but taught. You know, like you're taught certain things when you're right. very young. Yeah, that's what. That's like that's what the one thing that I loved about this book was that like Jimena is learning throughout her her time in the Castillo, like. Maybe what I have been taught is not what's right. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe I've been taught division when in reality what we need is like addition through Yeah, all we us. need unity. Yeah, so that I, I really love that theme because it, it it's prevalent today, let's just say that. <laughs> I think it's good because it's it's forcing a different perspective. Um mm-hmm. you know, and Rumi constantly talks to her about educating herself and reading up on the history and getting to know what happened to their people, you know, that were under hers. And, uh, you know, seeing her way of life, she just couldn't understand that and didn't understand why um, their people felt the way that they did. And when she was there among them and kind of immersed in their way of life and getting more educated on their background, their history, she started to change the way she viewed things. And uh, I thought that was very a uh, hugely important message. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you're taught your whole life that war is the only solution, then the idea of a peaceful, you know, revolution is going to be insane. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad that she finally came around to it. But I forgot why we started talking about this. So. And well, Catalina carries that whole way through. She doesn't. Yeah. She refuses yeah. to have a change in perspective. And that's why I went. When um, Jimena weaves the owl, she hasn't she hasn't yet decided to tell Catalina where the estrella is. Mm-hmm. But the owl just leaves. Is it an owl? Yes. I, I think it's an owl. The owl just leaves, and so she has the choice taken away from her. And then Catalina is like, "Oh snap! I got some inciting information." Yeah. And she was like, "I forgive you for that," but like, yeah. In the end, it's just Catalina was so for my people I need to take revenge for my people yeah. that we need to take over instead of we need to um, overthrow this bad king and yeah. you know unite our people it was more of like bloodlust than for yes. the benefit of the people and like you see that Jimena is kind of right in her judgment of Catalina that she Catalina can't handle being queen like she was not meant for the role after all and that she yeah. she wouldn't be able to um, function as a queen without the right guidance and she didn't have any guidance anymore okay so let's talk about our least favorite healer um his name is Rumi, and he sucks in the beginning he's a terrible guy he's very mean and um you learn later on he turns out to be like the masked vigilante that's helping the illustrians whose name is el lobo how do we feel about that that's like the craziest twist like I knew it. I saw it coming. Like, first thing. It was just like, oh, this guy is El Lobo. Yeah. 
I mean, main male character and then vigilante. Yes, in most stories it would be. You you could see that coming. It's almost predictable. But at the same time, like, I feel like she wrote them so opposite, which made sense because El Lobo, although he was wearing a mask, his guard was more down because he had something to hide behind. So that's why he was so much more relaxed and charming. And that makes sense in the end, you know, that it was Rumi after all. But at the same time, it was hard to um, visualize those two characters at, as one yes, by the end of it. Um, it was, like, hard to, to just to put that into to one person. And I think she did a good job in, in making you think that it could have been Juan Carlos. You know, Jimena says it a few times that she thinks it's him. And then she's, like, not sure if she likes that it might be him or if she likes that it might be Rumi. And she's not sure, but she, like, her heart races when El Lobo is around as well. So I was just like, well, you need to make up your mind. <laughs> but um, El Lobo as a character, I thought, was was your um, typical storytelling Robin Hood. Um, I liked him a lot. <laughs> we all, like, live vigilantes and stories. <laughs> why comic book heroes are so popular yeah i think it it came as like a super surprise to me just because rumi is painted as this like very like stone-faced he's like a suck up to the king like he's gotta stay right under his like right under his shoulder the whole time just making sure like everything's okay and then a lobo actually like steals from the king and gives to the illustrians and the other people in the area and it was like, like you said, it was very hard to grapple with the idea that they're one, and then we're kind of just, we're thrown that information and being like, that's it, that's the end, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, it's very difficult. There there was very little, like, wrapping that up, I guess. It was yeah. kind of just like, well, now they're in love, and that's it. And it was, <laughs> it was, it was a bit of a bummer, because I was like, well, we could use more storytelling there, but... Or a little bit more mystery, something. Yeah. couple extra chapters. I see, I didn't read him like that, I guess. I felt like most of his responses were very sarcastic and, like, witty. I know that they were supposed to be read as, like, mean towards Himena, but I didn't read it like that. And, I don't know, he's just very Severus Snape to me, and I just really liked him. I'm sorry. <laughs> I liked him better than I liked El Lobo. I'm, I'm the minority here. <laughs> that, that is perfectly chill. I just know that they had a, a lot of cases where... They would show him like in the court and he was just like looking at at, at talk with like such radiance and like he is the love of his life yeah and he would constantly correct her on like what she you know says about about the king i just read that like when he would correct her about a talk's um title i would just you know read it as he's being very sarcastic like his radiance or um I don't know. Oh, I but, didn't see that. I thought he no, actually I meant it. Yeah, I didn't read it as he was being his radiance. He's the true love of my life. It was more like he was dissing him. And I don't know. That's just how I read him. I read him more as like a snarky, brooding. Oh, <laughs> so I didn't, is that oh. why it, it made more sense to you that he was a lobo? Like, because he would yeah. help? Because for me, it was difficult because I read it the opposite. I was yeah. Like, oh, like, that that's his favorite person and and they did talk about how like they weren't related by blood they were related by marriage so he kept feeling like he had to impress at a talk to stay alive essentially yeah. so he basically was like very like 
like he was enamored with him the whole time and so i mean i, I can see how you would how you would take it like that That's really i think jimena also thought that he was too at one point because she she mentioned it to um princessa she says he's he's constantly talking about him like he's wonderful like he bleeds gold or something like that like he's just amazing and he also smells and then she went on to you know how he smells for like five minutes but that reminds me there was a whole kind of subplot about how Humana thought Rumi was in love with the princessa yeah and that was just kind of like forgotten about at the end like she gets freed from her like dungeon room or whatever and Rumi's just like meh it's fine I'll just hang out with this girl instead I was like, yeah I thought like, that too I was like wait a minute there wasn't any like conclusion to that like I mean Tamara like talked about it for a second I think Kimena was like oh yeah we all think he's in love with you and she was like oh really and like just moved on yeah she's like, like that's a funny story you know? yeah like <laughs> what okay <laughs> Maybe it got lost in translation. Who knows? I don't know. Oh, I, I, th- I was really like, what is their relationship? <laughs> yeah. I know oh, they both want, like, they. So many times. Yeah, yeah. I think it, in the end, it was probably the, that he just wanted her to have the throne um, because he, you know, he wanted a change in the ruling. Oh, yeah. And he strongly felt it should be her. But at the same time, it's just like, it's really weird, like, what the relationship is, you know? You're wondering the whole time, why aren't, like, they can't see each other. They're not allowed to meet each other. Why is that? What had well, happened before? Know. I mean, he's a lobo, so he does meet her. Well, they say that when they increased all of the, um, the guards after oh, the yeah. first earthquaking stuff, um, yeah. that they weren't allowed to meet anymore, so they were using Jimena for the information. Um, yeah. And uh, I just thought it was really weird because he's not allowed to go see her. So do they know that they, like, does the king know they had a relationship before? What kind of relationship was it? You know what I mean? So I just thought it was really interesting. And when they went to go to the, to do the contest, Rumi refused to go too. He went back to his uh, infirmary. We would like a prequel author. Yes, Isabel, please give us the beats. Give us the answers. <laughs> yeah, we would like to know all this. Okay, so let's just do our last character. We've talked about her a lot, but we'll go through uh, Jimena's story. How do you feel about her backstory and her trajectory and, like, her character arc? It was... I, mean, I hated her. <laughs> <laughs> I had very strong dislike for her for the first, like... 30 percent of the book until she starts like realizing that she's being foolish and that she's wrong and she starts growing i loved her growth yes i agree there i i did not like her very much in the very beginning not like i didn't hate her i just was like oh this is not like a i don't know i'm not really interested in this beginning character and then um as she started to to change and to grow and to start accepting different truths that weren't just what was presented to her um i started to enjoy her a bit more seeing her be more open-minded i think i might be in the minority this time because i loved her straight out the gate i i love a strong female presence like wow i loved it 
and also as the audience we're not given all the information at the beginning right like that makes sense as a book and so at the beginning like we're on her side we're like how could they take your throne how could they take your family and kill them in front of you and like all of a sudden like I was completely on her side and then we get into the castle and she's like oh snap maybe things are different from what they seem and I was like oh snap maybe they are like alright so I feel like I kind of grew with her character well yeah I was on her side too in the beginning I just wish the end hadn't happened I did not like it (laughs) I don't like her at the end that's my qualm I feel like the way they presented her at the end was that she was in this six-year-long relationship when it had only been days. Exactly. It was like, oh, you guys are madly in love? Like, wow. You just figured out who he was 12 hours ago. So, okay. Essentially. (laughs) In the beginning, like I I said, I didn't like her. I was still on their side because that was the information that you were presented with was like um, that everyone else was bad and that they were the good guys. And then um, it's interesting how, like, just the written word can make you believe a certain uh, viewpoint. And, uh, but I didn't enjoy her because in the beginning she was just like, just kill the guards. Who cares? Just kill them. I'm angry right now. So just kill them. And I thought that was, that was more of a rash kind of judgment. And then like later on, she sees um, one like soldiers that they're fighting that, she doesn't think need to be killed and she's like well don't kill him after all don't kill him i want him to live you know um when she was caught in uh, the study the king's study the first time with a lobel um she saw that uh soldier that was uh he had the sick son yes yes i remember him um and she yeah, was like, yes, and like, they, I think only, I think one of the three died, but she, you know, they, they didn't kill the other one. She didn't want to kill everyone. That wasn't the point. Um, and I think that was a very snap change in her person already. And it only had been a few weeks. And I was like, wow, this is really showing some, some change because I don't, I don't think strength only comes from the hard decisions. I think sometimes it comes from compassion too. And I think she was able to, to show that. And I thought that was very important. And I liked that character arc. I agree. I didn't like her mainly because not, I liked that she was strong. It was just that I didn't like her rash decision making. I don't like that in real life people. I really hate it in my characters that I can control. <laughs> or I think I can control. So, um, yeah. I'll still stand by her, except the ending. Oh my gosh, can we talk about the end? Yeah. Can we talk about it? Because <laughs> it makes me want—it makes me want to kill some guards, like oh, really. <laughs> uh, there There's the whole thing with Rumi slash El Lobo. They end up together, and whatever. On the mean, battle, I, I understand that it's a young adult novel, and they want it to be a very happy ending. But what about her relationship with Catalina? It just completely crumbles. Catalina sees her as like a traitor by the end and Jimena's like well fine then go die in the forest like it just didn't seem very characteristic to me she didn't like, seem like she was as um attached to Catalina as she was in the beginning I mean there exactly. was some distancing it was but it was it was a month you know it was a a little yeah, over a month like, like six weeks or six something. weeks yeah so like in that six weeks she lost 
90, well, not 90, but I'd say 70% of her attachment to Catalina. And I was like, well, that's, you know, that was not cool. (laughs) That was quick. And and there was, I mean, I wish, it just seemed like throughout the story, she lost her strength by the end. Because it's like, if it had been the same Jimena from the beginning, she would have fought for Catalina's life no matter what, you know? And it's like, I get she wanted to teach her a lesson or whatever, but just like keep her in the dungeon or something. You know, it, it just didn't feel right for her to feel so, like, apathetic about essentially sending off to her death. Like, it, it just didn't feel, it didn't sit well with me. Right. I think I agree with that statement. Um, it really didn't sit well. I wish that they had either just, like, let Catalina die in the battle. I thought that would have been a lot better. You know, for her to, to die, but in an honorable way, you know. Yeah, fighting uh, for her people. Yes. You know. yeah. uh, but at the same time, like, um, just the way Jimena's story ended there was, I feel like, also kind of disappointing. Um, but, like, during that battle, I thought it was really weird because there was a lot that I wanted to happen and didn't want to happen between, like, Juan Carlos and... Um, Catalina and uh I think I mentioned before to you Elijah that they were just throwing swords here and there and like it just seemed like there was a convenient out to every um fight like move everything that was going on there was like a just a convenient way out of it and I was like this is weird like I'm glad that her animals that she wove came um she had been pushing them back the whole time until then and then her jaguar died um the wool animals and I just I feel like that could have been explored more too and it wasn't yeah that that did definitely feel like a loose end (laughs) yes unintended um with her animals that were like well we're alive now I guess we'll just hang out it was just weird she's just gonna travel around the kingdom with them (laughs) yeah MBD I'm a live piece of yarn but like whatever um yeah, there was also the thing, I think that, yeah, I think I said to you earlier, where it was like, you know, she had to tell Rumi who she actually was. She's not the Condesa, she's the decoy. And he was very, like, it, it was like she was a traitor. And then by the end of the next day, he's like, oh, never mind, we're in love. I knew what you meant. And it's like, what? <laughs> that went fast. Like, okay, you just kind of broke down those walls? All right, that's real. <laughs> but again, you get like- I would just like to point out that that is a very common, like, character trope in young adult novels. I've read many a story where there's a love triangle, and then, you know, it turns out that this person isn't who they are, and they got betrayed, and then they go off, and they come back, and it's... She's definitely got that down. Like, when she was planning out what's going to happen for this plot. (laughs) It was like, well, this has worked for many a book. I'm going to do this. You waste that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's all the characters. Does anyone have any final parting thoughts on this? It was a good book. I yeah, liked it. It really was. Obviously, there's always some things you're not going to be 100% satisfied with. But I think she did an overall good job in, in portraying this um, world and its story. I liked the her use of colors, how she described the differences between the people. Um, oh, 
yeah, the world building one. Yes. I like all the food that she described, you know. I thought she took some time to put in those details. I thought that was very nice. Just because it is something so different. But at the same time, you you know, it's it's grounded in some things that people share now. Um, between thoughts, feelings, and, you know, just even political standpoints. I think it explored a lot of uh, issues that we're going through now as a country and as in many countries, actually. So I thought it was enlightening to read. All right. <laughs> You know they can't see you nodding, right? Verbal confirmation is <laughs> Alright, well on that note, thank you for joining us for another episode of Off the Shelf. We'll see you next time when we read our next book. <laughs> we decided. <laughs> if you have any suggestions, let us know. Yes, please do.